Hi, this is Dustin Hobbs, and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's now weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. Uh, we've got a couple of changes for uh, uh, this week's podcast. As as you may have known in the past, we've done usually monthly podcasts, but now by popular demand, we're going to be uh, moving our podcast to a weekly format. So more content, uh, more interviews, and so I'm looking forward to some good conversations with some of the leaders in the industry over the next few weeks. We got a great interview today, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But I actually want to thank our sponsor. We have a sponsor now for the podcast, so I want to thank our sponsors at Incelerate. Incelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement as the mortgage industry's most innovative marketing and sales engagement platform. Incelerate CRM helps lenders manage workflow, content strategies, lead management, referral, and realtor partners in reporting. Incelerate's engagement platform automates multi-channel marketing through social media, email, direct mail, text messages, ringless voicemail, and phone calls, all pre-built with the strategies and content to enable a better borrower engagement. Incelerate integrates with software that's already powering your business today and will in the future. In addition, the platform is SOC 2 and SSAE 18 certified to satisfy the most closely regulated businesses, including banks with mortgage subsidiaries. So for more information or to see a demo, visit Incelerate.com or contact them at the phone number in the description below. Great. And so before we get started with our conversation with our guest today, we actually have another change to the format for the podcast. We're going to be including a brief update from the California MBA's CEO, Susan Malazzo. So I'll let her take it away and then we'll jump into our conversation. Hi, this is Susan with the California MBA here with your weekly video update. So again, I'm going to be sharing a legislative update for all of you. Um, this, the bill I'd like to share with you today is SB 939, uh, which is, relates to commercial tenancies. The bill uh, would place a temporary moratorium on commercial evictions, which of course is intended to help small business owners during COVID-19. Um, we are unfortunately uh, opposed to this measure, uh, does abrogate um, contract law to benefit one private business at the expense of another. And of course, those lack of mortgage uh, rent payments would push many into foreclosure. The bill also does not take into account the governor's executive order allowing local governments to place their own uh, moratoriums on evictions uh, during this time, as well as the Judicial Council's recent activity to, uh, to stop all unlawful detainer actions at this time. So while it's a, a seemingly um, short-term solution, it would have significant long-term negative effects for the commercial real estate uh, finance industry here in California. And we remain strongly opposed to this measure and are working with our coalition partners uh, to communicate that to the author as well as other members of the Senate. Unfortunately, this bill has passed Senate Judiciary Committee and is set to be heard in Senate Appropriations Committee. So we continue to work with our, our industry partners as well as outreach to the author um, on our concerns over this measure. Um, last week, we worked uh, with, we partnered with the National MBA and used the Mortgage Action Alliance and encouraged everybody in California to take action opposing AB 2501, which as you might recall, is the legislation that would essentially uh, encourage all borrowers in California to stop making their mortgage payments for at least a year. Um, significantly um, damaging legislation if it was to pass in its current form in California. So if you haven't already done so, you still have an opportunity to visit the MAW page and take action on that important measure. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time. All right. Well, I'm excited to welcome our guest today. 
Our guest today is Suzanne Livingston. Suzanne is the owner and EVP at um, RWM Home Loans based out of San Diego. They're a multi-state IMB. Uh, Suzanne's been on the uh, board of directors for the California NBA for a number of years, uh, including serving as our chair just a few years ago, and she's currently serving as our immediate past chair right now. So welcome, Suzanne. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'd be, I'd be remiss in not saying that Brad Livingston is also a part of that RWM Home Loans as uh, president and my husband for 33 years. We just had an anniversary, so we've made it, made it through with the... Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, well, you guys are you guys are definitely a team. Wherever we see uh, Suzanne, there, Brad's not too far behind. That's for sure, and vice versa. So, well, you know, speaking of that, let's uh, let's delve into your backstory a bit here. How did you guys get involved in the industry? How did you? What made you decide to start a company? Uh, what uh, what sort of drove you down that path? Well, uh, it was in 1994, so you know, over 25 years ago. Uh, my husband was just coming out of the building industry, which was a very risky business at the time, and especially for a small home builder. I was, I had been working as a wholesale rep for Imperial Bank for eight years and had a broker's license. So as he was phasing out on his builder company, he said, you know, my loan rep who calls on my track drives a nice car, seems to have a very cush, you know, expense account and her job seems pretty easy. Why don't I do that for six months while I'm phasing out on my intense partnership? And uh, after six months, I'll figure out what I want to do. So I uh, engaged my broker's license, referred him to one of my best uh, friends at the time who was working through uh, Imperial Bank, and the two of them started the company. Interesting. Well, that's an, that's cool. So what do you think is, you know, you guys have been, you know, like you said, in business for what, over 25 years now. And uh you know, what, uh, what has sustained it and grown it over those years? I mean, there's been obviously some, you know, upheaval in the industry over the last, even just the last 10 plus years or so. So what's, what's sort of your uh, secret sauce there? Well, I think uh, we've been very fortunate to have some very good mentors along the way. And, you know, not getting too far over your skis, you know, as, as you can say, is you don't want to bite off more than you can chew in terms of office space. When we were, you know, just starting, we got something very conservative and, was just referred to some really quality people along the way. And we never had a business plan to be a, a huge company. Uh, and certainly not, we did not anticipate as, as big as a company has become today uh, to come to fruition, but just taking the blessings, you know, year by year as they've been coming, staying current with organizations like California MBA. Uh, we also, uh, you know, participate with the MBA now, which is really important. And uh, Lenders One, I would say is instrumented in, instrumental in making sure that we are picking the right partners that had been vetted by other people. So we had great sounding boards, good, strong advice, not only from our peers, but from vendors that uh, were being supported by large, large organizations. So, you know, keeping up with your technology, keeping up with your software, it's all a very important part. You never stop learning. You never stop changing. You just, it's a, it's a constant thing, you know, day by day. Yeah, well, to say the least, over the last, at least in, since I've been here at the California MBA, it's been, you know, fun watching the industry change over the years. And to your point, I mean, there's, you know, there's never a dull moment and there's never, you know, you, know, you can never say, well, you know, the way things are right now are certainly the way they're going to be in a year from now. I mean, you couldn't even say that six months, you know, uh, six months in advance. Right, um, right. So speaking and of, you know, how things have changed, I'm curious how, I mean, this is obviously the big, uh, big ticket in the news right now. It's the uh, uh, pandemic. How is it affecting you guys? How are you guys adapting to it? You know, we're a few months in now. So what's what, what are some of the changes that you guys have made? Yeah, I think some of the takeaways and 
And we had some very good timing at the very beginning. So we had expanded expanded our management team a couple years ago, and everyone is is taking a very active role in directing our company. And we are clearly communicating vision across all those fronts and departments. And ironically, we had just had a big meeting with our IT, uh, independent third-party IT company. We ch had changed one that was a little more sophisticated. And we, we had planned for a pandemic, not knowing that COVID-19 was around the corner. So when we had to flip the switch to people working from home, it was fairly simple. I've got to credit it to just having been surrounded by great IT people. We had ordered laptops for people, created phone systems, whatever our people needed, and to hit it out of the park the next month and blow your records away. Many of us, you know, many of the IMBs had record-breaking production months, and that was true with us as well. And you know, hats off to our people. They were so resilient. They were willing to try something different. They work hard uh, all the time. I mean, our IT people. IT people will tell us because they're on the phone with them just to, you know, they can see other systems and they're helping them and they go, your people work like crazy. So uh, just blessed to have some some incredible employees because without them, there's there's no way that uh, we'd be able to do what we've done over the last months. So yeah. yeah, it's been interesting just talking to some folks over the last couple of weeks um, in the midst of all this. And, you know, I mean, to a person, everyone has been able to say that, you know, they either had made plans for something like this or you know just the way that uh, as sophisticated as technology is now for communication especially they were able to more or less flip the switch and you know you know continue on as they were before in a sense just remotely um so looking ahead i'm curious what uh where do you think we're at as far as the market in general the economy in general um as a uh, you know an active uh, imb in the industry where do you think we will be in six to 12 months what's the recovery going to look like I think our recovery, uh, part of the positive things we're seeing right now is just the sheer refinance volume. So I attribute that to really helping our borrowers uh, just save and budget and helping them in any way we can to get through this difficult time. And then when 2021 ramps up, I think we're gonna see the purchase business I think it's going to start obviously now in 2020, but it's just going to be a slow trickle up, a slow U, you know, a little smiley curve coming up for us where refinances have kind of, you know, apexed in a real sharp point and just climbed up very, very quickly. I think the, the purchase business is just going to be very slowly picking up. So RWM is focusing on getting those realtor relations back, any relationships with CPAs, professional planners, those kind of people. Uh, and I think the economy will recover. It's just gonna be slowly, Dustin, because you've got people that have been out of work. And what we're seeing in San Diego is some people now are getting their, their checks from the government, not feeling really motivated to get back to work, even though it's, you know, there's some sort of, uh, still some, some feelings people don't wanna travel, you know, they don't wanna jump on a plane. And, and some people just are a little nervous about going back to work still. So, you know, you can't fault them for that, but they do, they are getting, you know, some checks and it'll just take time for everybody to either get back in the office or there might be people who choose to switch up their career paths too. I mean, that's, we don't really know. We don't know how that's going to, you know, pan out. So. Yeah. Are you guys making, starting to make plans for uh, getting people back in the office and, and uh, sort of transition back yet, or is that still not, you're still not there yet? We have had meetings already, certainly. And uh, I've been writing some, you know, copy and uh, we've been, you know, sending everyone out to get hand sanitizer to make sure we have enough for everybody. And I've been ordering 
you know, products online like crazy for our cleaning staff and, and making sure that fortunately we never went to that open office concept for our main corporate office. So we have 4,000 square feet and through this the last couple of months, we've only had at the max 10 people in the office and they're behind their own closed doors so they feel very safe. So at this point, we are not mandated anyone come back to work. Everyone, it's, a lot of them are comfortable at home. You know, they're very happy. They've got three screens set up and uh, you know, maybe their puppies at their feet. You know, they can throw a load of laundry in it at uh, lunchtime. And as far as, as we're concerned, our management team is like, they're working just as hard as if they were here. And, and maybe it's better because the hour or two they might have spent in the car or in traffic, um, they can just, you know, be at home and, and get right get right to it. So there'll be a yeah. time, I think, where we all feel more comfortable going back to the office. I know your office in Sacramento, you guys are also separated. So it's going to depend on the company. You know, if they have an open floor plan, that's going to dictate different different results. But every state's opening up just a little bit differently. Just a little bit at a time, yeah. Okay. So, mm -hmm. you know, in the current environment then, if you're, you know, um, mentoring another mortgage banker, what would you tell them, uh, you know, what's maybe some tips to, you know, not necessarily just survive, because you don't want to just survive the current environment, you want to thrive. So what would you, what would you say to them uh, as far as tips to uh, thrive? The tips to survive are, are really engage our people in maximizing and utilizing this technology because, I mean, you and I are big fans of technology and you've been instrumental in, in uh, expanding your podcast, expanding your online California MBA newsletters and that kind of thing. And, you know, as, as mortgage professionals, we need to make sure we're fully utilizing every technology that we invest into, whether it's a mortgage code, you know, presentation you should be doing on every single file, in our opinion or it's utilizing your mobile app, which is basically uh, you know, doing most of the work for the loan officers that need to get in and understand that product and help their client through technology because you can't just rely 100% on technology because there are people out there that aren't as comfortable with it, maybe older people, people who wanna see somebody face-to-face, -face, which is not an option now, but we need to meet our customers where they might be. But just, I would say maximizing you know, every technology that, you know, your company is is investing in. And if you haven't invested in, in technology by now, you're certainly feeling the pressure and you might be a little bit behind. So I would say, you know, get with your peers in California MBA, see what's working for them. Um, you know, we're looking at a, a new underwriting system right now, which would do some automated, uh, automated underwriting. So we're calling our peers and saying, hey, is this, is this as good as it sounds? Because, uh, you know, we learned, you know, we started with one POS and we switched to another POS. You know, you don't always get it right, but you try hard to do that. And then, um, you know, focusing on uh, the people that make it all happen for your office too, making sure you're cl clearly communicating your vision and and uh, how you're going to go about uh, getting these, these loans funded in a different, unique environment, which is going to hang out. You know, we're going to have a funny year. We're going to yeah. be, uh, we're not, we're not going to, this is not going to, you know, change tomorrow. So. Well, speaking of people, I'm curious to know, um, I know that uh, culture is a big deal for you guys at, R, uh, at uh, RWN, and uh, you've got a lot of employees there that have been there for a long time and, and a good solid core there. You know, so what if I'm, you know, starting a company from scratch or trying to, you know, maybe rebuild my uh, culture or build a, build a culture from scratch, what, what are your tips to me? Well, I think that, you know, as a company owner, they always say that, you know, leadership starts at the top. You have to set your example, and so certainly you have to set goals. 
and a, a vision that that is is true to your core. So our company has a very ser servitude mentality, uh, and we think it's in the past we hadn't clearly communicated our message uh, as we are today. So now we have, as I said, an expanded management team, and we all invested in ourselves in some training this year, Dustin, um, and. Uh, you know, Taylor Sims was instrumental in one of our employees in getting John Maxwell's, uh, you know, leadership training course to all of the management team. And so we worked through exercises. It's a multi-week, over 10-week uh, course where you, you really do share. Uh, you really get down to, you know, core feelings. And it, it's not scary, but it's encouraging. And I think that that all of us have a leader within us, but it it just doesn't happen. You have to work on it. You have to work on it every day. So we became very close through that. So having our management team from the top being close, and now we are doing that same class and offering it to our, our management teams and, and staff. So there, you know, the light bulb is going on. You know, one of our, our processors, you know, said, and it was, it was great. She, she acknowledged, she goes, you know, I never really thought I was a leader as a processor, you know. I always felt like I was subservient and working for the loan officer. But after taking this class, she goes, I realized that I actually have the potential to lead and help my loan officer and, and can mentor my loan officer and help them in a different way that I, I never thought I was helping. So I would say it's you, you need to clearly communicate your vision, find a program or a good. There are several good consultants, too, that, that you can work with so that your team you don't have silos. The silos are the worst is when everybody's kind of working and they're just getting through their day. But if everyone has common goals and they're working together to solve, to define the goal, to solve the goals and problems that come along the way, then the buy-in and the reward is is so much more fruitful and, and meaningful. I think that's why I've been getting loans, you know, over 33 years, you know? Yeah. So. And I can imagine you guys are seeing, you know, you see an actual real ROI from, you know, investing in your leadership there and investing in the culture there. I mean, like you were just talking about with the processor that that uh, is now able to work better with uh, his or her loan officer and, and, you know, really make that transaction smoother for the borrower in the end. I mean, there's got to be a real ROI for that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's you create a culture where people actually want to come to work and, and stay with you. You're just not a passing flight we're a family and uh and don't forget the future leaders too uh you know we also have focused on uh developing you know the next generation of, of leaders and have at least half of those on our management team and and they're hitting it out of the park they're doing a great job that's great to hear really yeah that's great so uh, switching gears a little bit here let's talk uh let's talk technology where do you see uh you know the most innovation going on right now is it more on the back end is it the front end? Does you know one side you know needed to be doing some catch up right now? Where do where do we stand with uh, technology? I think that the um, from the front side, on the POS side, uh, and certainly the LOS was the first that that everyone mastered. Then the POS, the mobile apps have come along, but it's not as automated on the back side certainly, or at least it's not for us. I think there are some some larger players. You know, I'd, I'd call us a, you know, medium-sized independent mortgage banker. So we don't have the, the post-closing, uh, I, I would say just the aut automation. I would love to have some post-closing automation. Certainly we have our stacking orders that, 
you know, the post closers and funders, you know, automatically stack that and goes out to investors. But I think that there's some work to be done on the on the backside, all the way through servicing. So we're also involved in servicing, and it would be nice to have more of a cohesive flow, you know, through that that process. Are you seeing just in general in the industry um, more innovation going on in the front side still, and not as much on the back end? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to still, you know, make sure our disclosures are going out right. We're trying to, uh, you know automate as much as we can in terms of uploading or, or doing re-verifications of, of uh, deposits, which are working finicity. That's working very smoothly now. So I'd say our emphasis has been more on the borrower, borrower and customer experience, right? You haven't heard as much on, oh, well, let's help the back end for the mortgage banker. It's been customer fo- focus, which I think is a good thing. You know, it, it should be, you know, they're important too, but uh, uh, we're seeing more development now with the e-closing, so that's that's just starting. But not every title com- company is up and running running with the e-closing. Everyone's seeing you know, a warehouse, you know, lines and bankers are trying to figure it out. You know, what are they comfortable with? Uh, so it's it's coming. You know, any anything that is uh, good is worth waiting for, Dustin. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I mean. <laughs> We're still waiting. I mean, speaking of you know backend technology, we're still waiting for remote online notarization out here. I mean, most other states have already you know taken that step, but uh, we're right. still we're still working on that here. So right. I mean, speaking of uh, of uh, advocacy efforts, how crucial right now? I mean, you know, you and I know we're right in the middle of a couple of big uh, legislative battles here in California. But how overall for the industry right now? How crucial is the uh, advocacy efforts of both California MBA and groups like the MBA? Oh, it's right now. It's it's so critical, Dustin. I mean, I've I've told you before when I joined joined the board in in 2012, I didn't know anything about advocacy and how it worked and how assembly bills were passed and what was the the process and who introduces them and who backs them and who weighs in on them and how do lobbyists directly affect you know that process. And we're very fortunate to have two amazing lobbyists that work full full time or not full time, but for California MBA for us full time is in our minds. And they keep an eye on on bills that are coming through the process that we may not know that would have a perhaps negative impact upon our industry. So, I mean, I wouldn't be able to say AB 2501, you know, in, in 2012, but uh, that's the, uh, the bill of the day right now where uh, a Monique Limon out of Santa Barbara County uh, it thinks that we do not have enough regulation around the foreclosure process. So most of us would beg to differ that the federal government has done a great job, not only through our regular servicing channels, but also through the recent CARES Act, the the first CARES Act that came out and the second rendition, they've really settled most of the issues of concern around foreclosures. And as a servicer, I can tell you, we're giving our borrowers options to mod, options to, you know, make up a payment later. I mean, we're not just, you know, severing all ties and, and we're trying to help them. They're, they're a partner with us. And I don't think that the assembly, you know, with all due respect, I don't think assembly representative Monique Limon understands our business well enough to know that borrowers will be taken care of. We don't need additional regulations that could potentially, you know, if yeah, you and I were talking, you know, Freddie and, and Fanny say, oh, we don't want to lend in California because we're never going to get our, our money back. You right. Know? Well, or and I think it takes customers. away the focus, I'm sure, on your end, you're seeing it. It takes away the focus 
from borrowers who actually need it when you've got a bunch of borrowers who, you know, maybe they don't need the help right now. They don't need forbearance. And it's really, you know, in a sense, it, you know, it's uh, counterproductive to give some, to offer someone forbearance that they may not even understand and they may not need it. And meanwhile, you've got a bunch of borrowers who actually do need it and they need your attention and help right now. Right, right. So we've been, uh, I think the MBA and uh, FHFA and Fannie and Freddie have got, done a good job of producing videos that explain the differences for the borrowers. But as a community, we really need to keep pushing those out. We've educated our loan officers. We've sent them uh, customized, uh, you know, decks on, you know, what they need to know for their for their clients. And certainly our servicing has their own, you know, materials as well. But customers still, at the end of the day, Dustin, they're very confused. Yeah. Very confused. Yeah. Well, always could use more education to say the least. Um, mm -hmm. So we're just about out of time here, but I'll uh, I'll tee one up for you here, uh, nice and easy. Um, as the former chair of the organization here, I mean, you know, what would you say to you know a colleague in the industry that maybe doesn't see the value in the California MBA or in getting involved with the national MBA, doesn't maybe see the, you know, the uh, the gain there? What's your what's your pitch to them? Well, uh, the California MBA has been instrumental in. RWM Home Loans success. Not only, we've already talked about it today, where you meet with peers and vendors that support your industry, and they're the best of the best. And you can talk to your peers about, about those relationships, but you can get involved in advocacy. You can come up to Sacramento, and typically in March, we have an amazing walk to the hill. You can go through the Capitol. Um, I probably know it almost well enough. I've been the chair of a, a couple of the groups, but we meet with representatives, and we do our part to make a difference. So. If you're in this business and you're not trying to make it better, then if something negative comes down in the way of legislation, you only have yourself to blame. So by being stronger together, the advocacy is amazing. The peer-to-peer -peer is awesome too. Uh, I've had a situation legally where I've been able to confidentially talk with some people that I've met through California MBA uh, that have really helped us quite a bit. And then the education this year, we our conferences, the Mortgage Innovator Conference was uh, postponed and we're still coming up with very creative ideas for the conferences, but that's how I got to know California MBA was there's no better party than the Western Secondary Market Conference, which was traditionally held up in San Francisco. So that's how I started, but there's so much more to our industry and I've grown so much and I've learned so much from my peers. And there are so many committees to be involved in, no matter what your interest is. I'm kind of a marketing person. You know, Brad is the president of, of our company. So he's on the executive foreign committee, uh, executive committee, executive forum, uh, yeah. forum, executive forum committee. And uh, again, what a great place to talk to other presidents and say, I'm having this problem confidentially. Everything is very, you know, confidential. And, and they're able to work out those, those bigger problems. And I just can't see why now there's no excuse not to be a member of California MBA. And it's very reasonable. I mean, it is compared to the money that I have saved by being a part of this organization. I mean, it just, it's astronomical. What a great investment in, in the future of our company and for our employees as well, so. Great, I appreciate that, Suzanne. Well, anyone listening yeah. to this, if you're not a member, I'm not sure why you haven't already gone to our website and clicked on the uh, on the membership yeah. tab. <laughs> but uh, if you've got any questions Click about here. membership, obviously, <laughs> Go to our website, click on the membership tab, or you can yeah. uh, give us a call or shoot us an email. We'd be happy to talk to you about membership. Um, so that's all the time we've got today on uh, Connect. Suzanne, thanks again for uh, joining us. A great insight into you know how you built the company and and sustained it with a great culture there. 
and we look for more uh, great things from you in the future. Well, Dustin, thank you for all you do for our organization and you're keeping us uh, abreast of everything that's happening in the media and marketing and education. We really appreciate that. And uh, anybody, feel free to reach out to me, member or non-member. I'm very approachable and, and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, Dustin. Absolutely. Thanks, Suzanne. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. All right. That's all the time we've got for uh, uh, this episode of Connect. Make sure and uh, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. We're also on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on SoundCloud. And uh, make sure and bookmark that. We'll have a new podcast each Monday morning. A uh, good way to start your week. And uh, so make sure and jot that down. And then we'll uh, see you next week. Take care. Mm -hmm.